Sports Station 1043 The Band presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Bring in uh, Andrew Mason, senior Denver Broncos writer for DenverSports.com. Mr. Mason, how are you, sir? All right, Dan. How are you doing? Man, you're like, um, I don't know the, I'm sure, I can't think of who it is, like characters on TV or in the movies. Like, you came to the official watch party the other night. Like, you showed up, you were there, and then you were gone. Yeah. I, I just kind of slipped out very quietly yeah. at, at, when the, when they won. Um, I'm thinking like, uh, are you thinking of like characters in a movie yes. or, or whatever? I, I was th- the one that came to my mind was in uh, this is total nerd reference here. Um, Star Trek: First Contact when they go back in time to kind of to see when they first meet another uh, race. Turns out the Vulcans, you know, like Spock and all that. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 they go, but they're trying not to interfere with the timeline any more than they already have. Mm-hmm. Once they fixed it, like they just kind of watch from a distance and they're like, I think it's, and then Captain Picard says, I think now we make a quiet exit. So yeah, I kind of just, they won the title. Everyone was cheering and I, I, I made a, I made a quiet exit. And part of it was I had to, because I knew I had to be on standby in case we needed something at denversports.com. And it turned, everyone was busy. I ended up having, I ended up posting all the information about the uh, the parade and, and when when it was happening, and I was able to do that because I made that quiet little exit to a place where I could actually uh, get a little work done. Ah, I see. What about Jarrell, uh, Superman's dad, and that you know the new one of the the newer version of Superman? Like what was it called, Man of Steel? Like he was kind of in and out. Boop boop. He was there. He was gone all over the place. Maybe him. Uh, Maybe yeah, that's a good one. Or the waiter and Mr. Deeds. He was always like there and then he was gone. You know, maybe. <laughs> These types of characters, exactly. they're, they're in, they're out. You know, that type of thing. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of, you know what? I kind of like making the unexpected arrival and then the quiet exit. That's that's kind of my vibe, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. So it, it sort of fit, but, but, yeah, you're probably looking around for me as, you know, they're having the speeches and all that. And you're like, Where, where's Mace? Well, it's just kind of. I kinda, there's a there was a little there's a little back area at the old Chicago where we were at that you, you can go out the patio and there's a little exit and I just kind of went to the patio. I hadn't ordered any food or anything either. I just came down to hang out with you guys. Right. And then, so it just kind of it, it worked out. But hey, everyone was happy. It's another it's another championship here in the Mile High City. So it's a good times, good feelings, good vibes. Yeah. So I was tweeting out. Because James said we're a basketball town, and I don't know, I don't know if we're a basketball town, but I said we're a sports town. Like we support, we support all of our teams, and I, I'm trying to think of. And you're you're a historian, not only of what Denver sports, but you're really just of all kind of sports. Um, even though you come from Tampa, and they're not really notorious for supporting their teams all that well, but. Um, they're probably well, somewhere depends. in the middle. They're somewhere in the middle. It's, I would only, say. it's only baseball that they have trouble with. They do great with the Lightning. They do great with the Bucks. So. Um, you know, I actually did a video 
where so I went to game six last year and I was like yeah. it was kind of funny I did a video I'm like it's kind of dead here and some guy like photo he's like no it's not like during the video I was doing for denversports.com he's like no it's not this guy's a liar it's really hopped up down here but it really wasn't it was kind of a chill maybe they were resigned to the fact that they knew the avalanche were their daddies so to speak and they were going to lose but um they did, yeah they did they were and I'd also say all the other thing also when you've won the previous two titles and it's kind of, and I think it was even apparent like it was apparent in those finals that as someone who does follow the lightning and follow the lightning for 30 years, um, they, they were on fumes. I think that would compared to what I think, cause I've been at playoff games down there. that were like playoff games here in Denver. So I think you just caught what I think you caught the lightning fans on a night where they sort of, they knew that they, they kind of knew what their fate was, but also, you know, everyone's kind of thinking, wow, still, you know what? They made it to the finals three years in a row. They won two, and there's right. a. Re- I mean, okay, there's but a I also went to appreciation for what they've done. I also went to a Bucks game the year before they got Tom Brady, and you know, oh, the stadium's too hot because there's no shade on one side, and it was empty, right? Like you know, well, they but they hadn't made the playoffs in 12 years at that time, though. That's, uh, I mean, if you're if you're down for long enough, I, look, I remember 20 years ago when the Nuggets were down, and you could get there were you know. If there were if there were twelve thousand people in the building and you could get a t- you get a ticket for like five bucks, you know, I mean. Oh, I know. That's what people were laughing about. Yeah. Like you could get the four hot dogs, the four Pepsi's or beers, and the four notch whatever, mm-hmm. and the four tickets for like I don't know forty four dollars or something. And well, they were worse than the league in attendance for like three straight years prior to the takeoff. That's why I say, I don't know, for a basketball town, we're a sports town. And so I was going to ask you to rank him, you know, because, like, obviously we don't like Boston, but Boston has a lot of people, a lot more people than we have, but they are a good sports town. I would say, again, New York, a lot more people, but they're a really good sports town. Uh, But, again, with a lot more people. Um, Where would you rank Denver? Because we support, especially if they're winning, but even when they're not winning, as long as they're not too bad for too long, we support all of our teams, I believe. Where would you rank Denver as a sports town across the board? I think we got to be, you know, top five or more. I think so as well. I mean, um, yeah, you'd have to put Boston in there. Um, and, and, but, again, it's, it's the numbers, right? Because, like uh, – in New York, you know, most of the, you know, most of the teams, you know, that they have draw like the Knicks still draw, even though they're terrible, but look at the population from which they're drawing. Exactly. Right. I mean, I think you kind of have to, to, to factor that into play uh, this market really, I mean, we, we punch above our weight here, I think. Um, and I, and I'll tell you, I mean, a good example is, and some of it is is because the venue is such a great place to go, and the team and, and the marketing department does terrific. But the fact that we're still sitting here with the Rockies, as irrelevant as they have been on the uh, on the on those Major League Baseball wide stage, that they that we're still looking at them being a team that's going to draw two and a half million people this year, probably. Yep. Uh, that to me, that says an off it says an awful lot like um i've said it this week i mean i think this accomplishment for the nuggets it's probably in terms of significance for the denver sports market with all respect to the avs titles 
it was all, it was different with the Avs because they basically came in the first year, won it all, and that's a different dynamic. But as far as like waiting and going and and you know going through the fire over the years and enduring the heartache and enduring the, the frustration, I think the only thing that's going to be on the stage of kind of the top three with Super Bowl Thirty Two and the Nuggets this week is if the Rockies ever break through and win a World Series. Oh, that would that would I guarantee you that would far surpass. As great as this was this week, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but the the Rockies would far. People, the the Rockies are a sleeping giant. They aren't Broncos, but they are a close second. I guarantee There's an amazing baseball town here in Denver that has just been so beaten down by what the Rockies have become and the lack of hope that there is. But if it ever comes together, it's going... it, look, if, if you remember Rocktober, I think it'd be bigger than Rock. It'll be bigger than that. But even I look at Rocktober, and in my 20 years here, I mean, other than like a Broncos Super Bowl run, that's kind of the, the moment when I look back and say that was the thing that really turned the town on its ear. With all respect to the Nuggets, even more than what happened in the last six to eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the, the Rockies would farce. Not farce. I mean, this was great. I'm not diminishing this, but yeah. this is a. If the Rockies were right, this would be a Rockies town close second to the Broncos. It's just weird. Like, people, I remember when the Rockies came here, and it was insane. They were selling out 80000 per game every night. Like, you, it was amazing. People love the Rockies. And it's just, you know, it's been 30-plus years. It's hard to win here. You know, they have challenges with the ownership. And the ownership wants to win. They just don't know how. And you have the altitude and you have the dimensions of the stadium. There's a lot of things working against them. But if they figured it out, Mason, can you imagine, let's say if the Rockies did a natural championship trend, right, which is hard for them to do, but they were really good one year and they kind of got close. And then the next year they were favored and they had a you know a good staff of pitchers and they were favored. Can you imagine they would sell out every night? And then if they won yes. and got to the World Series, and, dude, it would be amazing. It would be insane. They would be the number one in attendance in the major leagues by a mile. They would. Absolutely. And you're right. Every game, even like even a, a Wednesday afternoon game against Pittsburgh, there would be 48,000 people down there. Yeah. No, it, it would be it, insane. It, in that type of scenario, guarantee you. Uh, on, the, um, on ranking this, I, I – I, I probably would have to put a couple Broncos ahead of them. The Avs are, it's hard because, it, you know, Carton, when, when Craig Carton was hosting on the station, he would always, like, you know, try and, you know, get everybody's goat and saying, hey, you know, there are no hockey tans in this found, in this town. There's 24,000 or 18,000, and they all show up at the games every night. Obviously, there's more because we get a half million or more to there the are. parades. But there's just still, there's just not that many people that know hockey. There's people that say, yes, I love the Avalanche. But they just don't know. There's just that many, you know, people, we played basketball growing up. We know it. So when the Nuggets, you know, a lot of us love the Nuggets. It's just been hard because, you know, they've had a lot of tribulations. So, yeah, I, I think it is bigger. It's just, isn't it harder for hockey in this town? Just because we, you know, it's hockey's a hard sport and, you know, in, in general in this country. It is. And it, and it just, there's, I think it's just, there's kind of a ceiling on the fan base of hockey. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as knowing it. More simply, more people play basketball than play hockey. It's at some point, right? More more people play basketball. More people have played baseball. And I think also with, with base with baseball, that's you know, 
it's embedded in the cultural DNA in a way that hockey isn't in this country. Like the way, like hockey's embedded in the cultural DNA of Canada and then parts of the country. Like you go to the, like, you know, in Minnesota and uh, in, you know, in, in, in Wisconsin, in, in Michigan, places like that, hockey's really kind of a part of the DNA in a way that it just isn't here on a wide scale. And so I think that kind of, and I think that com- comes into play as well. And the other thing with the Rockies, a baseball team in a, in a major metropolis like Denver, more people are going to naturally go to that just because there are more tickets available. So more people kind of have, they have that experience of seeing the Rockies in person, right? I mean, if, if, if you're getting, you know, they'll probably end up this year, in spite of everything, averaging 30,000 a game over four, over 82 games. I mean, or 81 home games. That And that just inevitably, just that adds up in a way that I think is why is is, is why would you have that. And then, again, like when the Nuggets people play the sport more. So it's it's nothing against hockey. I mean, I, you know, I love hockey. I mean, I know you do too. But it's just in terms of the wider cultural zeitgeist, it doesn't kind of reach the same level that the other three teams in this town do. Now, you, th- that's the second time I've heard one of you big highfalutin media types use that word zeitgeist this week. And, you know, I, I have a, an advanced degree. I have a doctorate degree. Explain the word zeitgeist to me. Well, kind of like um, what's usually used in terms of, like, uh, culture, just like, the stu- you know, the, the, the stuff that kind of that, that, are, that, that represents kind of the things that have a common frame of reference that are deep, they're, they're deeply embed, embedded in our culture, whether you're talking about, like, entertainment culture, sports culture, uh, you know, Denver area culture, for example, whatever. I mean, the Denver zeitgeist would include everything from, you know, going, you know, going to a, you know, going to a fireworks night at the Rockies or going on the rooftop to a, you know, a bowl of green chili, right? At your, fa- at your favorite spot that serves green chili, all that. And, and so much more as part of what the Denver zeitgeist is, in my opinion. All right. I hate to do this, but because I, I also want to ask you about OTAs, but I just happen to be scrolling on my phone right now. Russell Wilson just released a video of him working out, working hard. Oh, uh, so everybody's talking about comeback. So Rachel V. Hill, your, your teammate, comeback season loading, Troy Rank, restoration, redemption, however you want to frame it. Wilson is motivated to rebound. My problem, obviously not, is he can post what he wants and this and that, and this is him working hard. Problem is, how do you frame that? Oh, he didn't work hard last year? He worked hard last I mean, year. He always works hard. Uh, what what what, the, what difference does this stuff make when he always said he worked hard? Nobody worked harder than him. He's doing the jumping to, or what was he doing on the plane? The sprints on the plane when everybody else is sleeping. I mean, he always worked hard. He always said he worked harder than everybody else. He always got there first in the morning, first in, last out. Like, what is the difference on the field going to be? How does that? What difference does that make when he was not able to make the throws last year? I mean. I wouldn't put too much significance on a hype video. I mean, basically, we're talking about an individual hype video, right? I haven't mm-hmm. seen that. I was out to brunch this morning. Well, yeah, so. he just posted it, so you were on talking to me. There's no way you could see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hype video. It's him working out, doing, like, various, you know, uh, slides and, you know, exercises in a gym. So it's I fine. Mean, I have nothing against it. I'm not hating on him, but my question is yeah. his problem last year, I don't care that people in the media called him fat. It's not true. Okay, I don't believe it wasn't that he was in good enough shape. My problem is it looked to me there seemed to be a decline 
where he was not making the types of throws that he needed to make. They were late. He wasn't seeing the field right. The offense wasn't set up in a way for him to succeed, which is weird to me because I don't believe that Hackett's a moron and didn't know how to put him in positions to succeed. Something wasn't right from a football level last year. It has nothing to do with the way he worked out. I don't think he got fat and he didn't work hard enough. I don't think he didn't watch enough tape. I think he watched plenty of tape. What is the missing ingredient here, and it has nothing to do with hype videos? Okay. For him and the offense, I think the missing ingredient is simplicity. Um, I actually asked him, Patrick, about this uh, a week and a half ago when he kind of, he had his had a press conference. Maybe it was actually a few days ago. Like they all kind of blend together. And I and I know Tim said something last year during OTAs about just how much mental work they had to put in. Like how every night they're having to like stu- they're having to study the scheme, uh, you know, up till eleven midnight, and then you know they're back uh, working on it the next day at OTAs. Um, I think last year they threw too much at them, and I think Nathaniel Hackett tried to basically have this Frankenstein's monster mashup of the concepts he wanted and the concepts that they felt were going to work for Russell Wilson. And they came up and basically came up with this voluminous offense. Whereas this year, they're kind of saying we're going to get we're going to get some core competencies down, and we're going to sit, we're going to build out, hopefully build out over over years. And I think if if thing one of the things that did fell the Broncos last year was I feel like in terms of the system, they were throwing too much at them. They were they were trying to install the entire. The, the entire depth and breadth of the scheme in one off season. Whereas the reality is you need to start by building a core and then adding to that and then expanding on that and saying, okay, the next off season, we're going to, we're going to expand on, on, on the groundwork we laid the first year. I think that had a lot to do with the failings the Broncos had. And it was more, so it was more than just Russell Wilson. And it did involve the, the coaches, I think trying to put too much on them. And it's been something different this year. And I think, you'll see the results when it matters. So tell me about OTAs. You've got a couple minutes here. What what'd you see? Okay. Well, I mean, what I saw a lot. These The restrictions were under. I can't say everything. Oh, oh, hold on one second. Yeah. Hold on one second. Are we still under yeah. the restrictions? Are we not? DMAC said the other day, and I didn't get a chance to hear all of it, he said, we all thought after the first day we were a little bit confused. We thought we couldn't talk about anything, but I think we can now talk about stuff. So what is the policy? I mean, basically, if it's addressed by Sean Payton or somebody else, we can talk. We can talk about it, right? So I can sit here and tell. I can tell you uh, that they've got. You know, they're they're working up some. You know, some interesting stuff with the, with the tight ends, for example. Like Greg Dulcich, one day he had a big day getting open downfield. Then another day, Albert Okwebenam uh, did. Uh, Dulcich actually said. He actually said um, this thing that Sean Payton has talked about, like a where one of your tight ends or running backs is what they call a joker, a guy who can kind of move around, be a versatile weapon. It's, you know, he talked about Greg Dulcich in that way, but Dulcich said, hey, it's multiple people. And I'd say that includes Albert O being in that, in that mix as well, and maybe even Adam Troutman, the tight end they traded for. So what we, so kind of what we saw, I think if, if you watch the New Orleans offense under Sean Payton, I think, there's there's a lot of elements of that that we're going to see. We're going to see, you know, a lot of, you know, quick rhythm type of stuff. 
think we're gonna you know we're gonna see an emphasis on on the ground game as well as well going forward. Um, I'll tell you what though, like when you look at kind of the roster and players and individuals that they're doing well, really impressed by the depth that uh, at wide receiver. We focused so much this off season on Jerry Judy getting the fifth year option, uh, Tim Patrick coming back from the ACL, whether Portland Sutton can get back to where he was. Uh, and hasn't yet approached since he had his ACL injury back in 2020. But something that to look at, for example, is a guy like Brandon Johnson, who was on the roster last year uh, and uh, in, impressed in training camp, and he's now impressing another coaching staff here. That dude was catching everything. And as I was telling a couple people uh, watching practice, that I said Brandon Johnson is playing at a level where you're saying, or he's basically saying, yeah, I dare you to cut me because he's – He's, he's involved, and clearly he looks he looks to have grasped things. And I think um, so. I look at a position. So I look at like receiver and tight end as two positions that uh, I think are going to be among the most fascinating of, of camp. And then the other thing that you have to talk about with Sean Payton is how he runs practice, how he will stop practice to emphasize a specific situation, a specific detail. Kareem Jackson's been around 14 years. Says, hey. No disrespect to any of the coaches I've played for, which includes Gary Kubiak down in Houston, but he's never seen a coach with that level of attention to detail and uh, that that kind of football IQ before. Basically, I, you're you're operating kind of on a on a higher level in terms of detail that I think probably we have not seen around here since Mike Shanahan. And actually, that's one of the some of the vibes I get from watching a Sean Payton practice is there's a lot that harkens back to the salad days of watching uh, Mike Shanahan run. All right, my friend. Thank you. Great work as always. My pleasure, Dan. Talk to you later. I will catch all of his stuff. That's Andrew Mason. He's got a bunch of stuff from OTAs on denversports.com. Check all that stuff out. It's uh, it's it's great stuff. That's Andrew Mason. Your chance to react coming up next. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver's Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. All right, thanks to Andrew Mason. That was a conversation we had yesterday with some of your texts there. I was actually doing, well, I'll get to that later. Conversation with Zach by has me uh, thinking about a few things. Yeah, it is an interesting conversation with the Rockies. I just don't even. I just to me, man, it was again no, nothing that we talk about is to diminish what we experienced this week. It's awesome, man. This is just you know I, I've been waiting a long time for the Nuggets parade, but I was also there when the Rockies were born, and that was also special. When I was a kid growing up in the in the Nuggets having their run, beating the Sonics and almost beating the Jazz, I mean, that was cool. That was a fabric of my childhood. And to be able to see them win a championship, fantastic. But I want to keep it in perspective. And when, you know, people don't even remember our October, I guess. But here, one thing is, is consistent. We're talking about Jamal Murray and his consistency. Rockies fans show out. They go to Coors Field every single year. That is consistent. So if they were to make it to a World Series and win a World Series, 
I, this place would go insane. <laughs> There's no mistake about it. This is a baseball town for sure. Um, actually, it was a conversation. Uh, bringing in Steve Cofield from ESPN in uh, Las Vegas. Big big time talk show host out there. He's like the DMAC of Las Vegas. Welcome to the program, Steve. <laughs> What a compliment. What a compliment. Is it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. You know D-Mac. You know our friend uh, Darren D-Mac. But he's been a, a, a guest on your program out there many times. How you doing? You okay? Are you hydrated? Have you filled back up? Eating like watermelon and you know, hydrating fruits today after the big party last night? I'm so messed up, man. So messed up. I'm here, sitting outside in the wind with the wind chimes. I am dehydrated. Uh, it was really rough down at that parade, man, as I watched it on TV. As you watch, no, I saw pictures on, uh, first off, first off, far be it from Cofield to not maximize a uh, money-making a, a, a chance to do a radio you know, appearance somewhere to visit and, uh, you know, collect a talent fee. I know, right? I'm sure, Dude. right? So you, I'm sure you were somewhere because I saw it. Uh, no, I wasn't anywhere. They, uh, they, they didn't sell it this time. So I am sold on the road quite often, but I guess it was a little too quick for the turnaround. But now the parade was awesome. It looked awesome. They had a good turnout. They had a really good turnout right by the arena, which is where they did, you know, all the celebrating up on the stage. So I don't think the numbers are as big as Denver, but it was still impressive. And Vegas knows how to party and the players got crazy. Well, here's what I was surmising. Cause we were having fun with it. And I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the contrast, um, but I surmised was this, is that because it's like living, no, you can go down. I was talking about my wife and I, when we're in Las Vegas, we like walking down the strip, but you have to do it the right way. You have to like, you know, you walk down a little bit, then you duck into either a casino or a shop or a restaurant or something that you get, you cool off for a minute. You don't stand outside roasting for four hours at a time because it's like standing on the surface of the sun. So I, I assume that the reason right. they have to do the parade at night and the speeches at night was because, you know, it's too hot. But that also leads to, you know, people drinking all day and getting lit. Uh, so is that what happened last night? Because it looked like Carlson and everybody were, like, just completely out of their gourds. Is that what happened? Oh, yeah. Well, they must have been drinking before the parade because the parade was a really short round. The, I don't know if you know this. The, uh, the strip is ripped up right now. They're actually doing a massive road project on the strip for F1. So F1 came in and they're like, we, we need these roads done. It's a, a lot of the, the route, the track that they're going to be racing on in November is actually on the strip. So we need these roads done in like three months. Now, normally that road project would take five years here because we're very slow with construction. We don't really want it done like a stadium. But uh, yeah, part of the strip is ripped up. So it was a short route, but I'm guessing they were, they were looped up beforehand. I mean, they've been partying basically, you know, that night on, um, uh, they actually on Thursday, apparently, they all got on um, private planes, and uh, Bill Foley, the owner, has a big ranch up in Montana, so they went up there for the day, and we're, you know, we're drinking away there, so they, I feel like they were, uh, they're probably blowing up, they're probably over the legal limit in the morning and the day, and then they got <laughs> super lewd, and uh, you know, it's funny, I, a lot of the guys didn't even speak, because I think, it, it, there was a funny moment, there was a, a woman who um, is one of their PR people and works for the the uh, VGK Foundation, the Charitable Foundation, and she she actually did stop um, Wild Bill Carlson from you know finishing his speech, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, Karen, what's she doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, she's doing her job." So, right, I saw. Oh, that. I'll give you a real funny story, mm -hmm. and this is this is so unrelated. To, well, it's kind of related to it, but we, there was a big Hall of Fame ceremony here on Friday night, and uh, it's the Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, and they inducted the entire Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and Kurt Busch got up to do the intro speech, which should take 45 seconds. And he took about three and a half minutes. And then finally they had to pull him off 
the stage because uh, he had been a little looped up. So in Vegas, you got to watch your drinking. You got to stay under control. And so the hey, guys crazy last night. It was fun though. And I, you know, what was really cool is uh, Aiden Hill got up there. You know, relatively new guy to the market. One of the heroes now of the team and you know, big guy. And he actually was wearing a Larry Johnson UNLV jersey. So uh, that, that gave a uh, you know old timers here a really big kick. Huh. Well, it's not just Las Vegas. So for example. Last year, obviously, the, the Avalanche are the rightful Stanley Cup champions. They had some injuries and stuff like that, so they took the year off as, as champions. So they allowed you guys yeah. to have, you know, kind of a. Right, you, know, right. you, you guys are kind of like the bubble champions, like the you know the Lakers won in the bubble. It's sure, kind of like sure. a, it, it doesn't count. Yeah. yeah, it counts a little bit. You know, it's like an asterisk, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know, last year, you know, the Avs coach. We had fun with them. You know, Jared Bednar. He kind of had that. You know, remember the old Bud Light commercial? I love you, man. He was like that. He was looped up, and he was yeah. like that. Well, right. then, when the Nuggets had their parade <laughs> on Thursday, Michael Malone was just like, he was like 10 times that, right? He was just, you know, he's going after, you know, everybody. And nice. uh, But then did you know that the, the you know, they didn't go on a ranch to Montana. The Nuggets like, no, we're going to Vegas. Did you see all about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw it, and I saw Were you there? Uh, who was there, Bruce Steve? Brown the next day was like, man. Bruce Brown the next day, what said he was completely hammered because of Jokic? Yeah, which is funny because you probably don't know this, Steve, but the Jokic, like, so DMAC actually, we we're talking about DMAC. That was the first question because he knew that Jokic would poo poo it. Jokic has this reputation as I'm just, I don't have any fun. I'm just working. This is my job. I just want to go back to Serbia. And right. so DMAC was like, hey, you know, there's a parade on Thursday. He's like, what? No, no parade. I want to go home. And then, like, he was a little bit looped up, and he's like, no, F that, I want to stay on parade. And then apparently he's having more fun than everybody, and Bruce Brown's like, oh, Jokic killed us all. We're all dead. Damn you, Nikola Jokic. Well, I mean, if, if Jokic can hang with his brothers, then he can hang with anyone. Right. That's a full-time job. Yeah, so um, I guess kept comparing the parades, like most things, Vegas – couldn't really hang with Denver when it comes to the partying and the uh, the monumentalness of the parade. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not saying that. What, what I'm saying is the turnout wasn't 700,000, but there were lots of people up and down the strip inside <laughs> strip properties partying. <laughs> the other thing they did is they the, the, the planning for the parade wasn't great in terms of matching the number of people because they probably should have the stage right on the strip, you know, looking south or north. And then they could have had a large corridor where uh, more people could sit. But it was a good celebration. It got wild. And the optics of being in that plaza in front of the arena were cool. All right. So here's a serious question I'm going to have for you. Because, you know, we actually met working at a national network. You do keep an eye on national things. Because, you know, for years, you know, before you guys got local sports, that's what you guys talked about, right? It's, it's Las Vegas. Um, but nationally. So there was this conversation. You know, of course, we're talking about this now because this is the first ever for the Nuggets. And somebody said, you know, actually our friend, um, James Merrillat, said, see, this shows we are a basketball town. And I said, eh, I would take it further. I say we are a sports town, man. We support it no matter who it is. We will blow it out for them. I mean, there were 750,000 fans. We get a million when the Broncos win. We get 500,000 out there when the Avalanche win. 750,000 for the Nuggets. Um, what's your perspective for Denver as a sports town? Give it to me. Give it, give it to me straight, no chaser. What's your perspective as Denver as a sports city? <laughs> I think it's a great sports city, and I like the fact that they kind of, 
use the uh, the lack of coverage and disrespect from the, the Northeast and Midwest media as fuel. People don't know have no idea what Denver is or the mountain time zone is in those areas. Uh, so I think it's a great sports town. I don't like Broncos fans. You're, you're pukes. But uh, <laughs> you know, the Broncos have super intense following. There's a lot of Broncos fans here in Vegas, so they're everywhere, and especially when they're winning, they're here. Now, Denver's a great sports town. I mean, I, I don't know. Is it a top 10 sports town? Probably. Um, Probably. Keep in mind, it's a place actually, you know, yeah, people actually want to live, uh, which is one of the things that I always love, and it's what I've been ranting about because there's been a lot of hatred around the country and in Canada about the Knights uh, and how quick they won and how easy it was. And it's like, you know what, don't project. If you're happy and you're unwilling to move to a nicer area where it's actually warm and not miserable and not dying from an economical standpoint, that's on you. It's not on the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> Right, right. No, actually, I loved living. I, I did. I liked living in Las Vegas. That's that's my quandary because here, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Here, people feel like the Golden Knights are kind of this natural debutting rivalry. And I yeah. kind of have an affinity. I actually said, because I loved living in Las Vegas so much, I never followed through on it. But I said, if, if the Raiders go to Las Vegas, I'm going to become a Raiders fan. I'm not. I never, I couldn't make it because I, I really don't like the Raiders. Yeah. Um, I don't like the organization, but I, I don't, I, I'm not a Golden Knights fan. I am an Avalanche fan, but I, I was happy for the, I was happy for the city. Like, you know, I, I'm not a Knights fan, but I'm just happy for the city. Is that okay? Or do we have to be sworn yeah. enemies? Well, I mean, if, if I want to go, you know, I don't want to make you feel guilty or anything, but uh, I mean, what are, you know, one of the bonding stories here was one October where, you, you know, you've got this freaking lunatic on top of Mandalay Bay spraying a concert of thousands and killing over 50 people. And that, that coincided with the beginning of the existence of the Vegas Golden Knights. So there's always going to be that connection. And the Knights got out and were very charitable. Um, they were part of the effort of healing. They got on the ice relatively quickly. So there's always that tie-in with this team. And that's why it's different than the Raiders because the Raiders are not homegrown. And a lot of people here, like you just said, we no people here didn't like the Raiders. There, now, there's a good Raider fan base here, but it's hard to just flip a switch and go, hey, I'm going to be an A's fan, I'm going to be a Raiders fan. So this is officially Las Vegas' team in a lot of ways. It's Nevada's team, so uh, there's the emotional ties there. But but I also wonder, I, you know what, again, on my shows this week, I was like, embrace being a villain, embrace being hated, because guess what, that means you're good. Yeah, now, I did want to ask you about this, and I actually respect this. We were talking last segment about, and a lot of people don't nationally probably don't realize this, and even even a lot of listeners to my show don't want to admit this, because the Rockies are just not really good right now. If the Rockies were to win a championship, they would blow even what the the Nuggets did this week out of the water. This is truly a baseball town. Maybe not to the Broncos' extent, but pretty darn close. But I respect what right. you guys are doing, and you're kind of leading the 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 charge here because I don't know if the A's are coming or not. You'll update me on this. But, but you as a city, a lot of you guys are saying, not that you don't want baseball, but you're like, we don't want this baseball. One, we don't necessarily want to pay – for you know, you know, billing out like billionaires to to buy a baseball team, especially cheap billionaires that don't have a history of being responsible owners. Tell me about it, man. Tell me what's going on. Well, one, Las Vegas is now not desperate for major league sports. We've got two organizations here. Uh, one really tries uh, and they win. The other one is trying, but Mark Davis is kind of a mess at times. We think we're going to get the NBA within the next ten years, so. I think Vegas can be picky, and I think a lot of people here believe the same thing. And people here are smart. Uh, they see what's going on with money being given to billionaires to build stadiums. So there's a massive pushback here. The A's are coming. I mean, baseball is not going to do the right thing and go, oh, you should stay in Oakland and let's work it out. and We'll give you loans and let's bridge the gap, and they're not going to do that. So 
they're coming, but um, we we pushed against the public funding. I mean, we love a baseball team here. We love a, a stadium somewhere. I don't, know, I don't know if that's the best site at Tropicana and Las Vegas Boulevard. But, uh, I mean, you can be picky and you can be educated and you can look into public money and what you're actually getting for your public money and what the owners, what this uh, John Fisher is going to be getting, which is way more than $380 million that, you know, with tax benefits for the next 30 years, the guy's going to get over probably a billion and a half in benefits. So I- I'm proud of, of what residents did here. And we may be one of the first cities where we're like, no, we actually don't want a major league team here if it's going to be that team. Right. So what's happening? Like, they're, they're going to come, but you guys aren't going to pay for it? Like, what's the latest? Oh, no. There's no. They, 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 do you think the will of the people mattered when it came down with our public our public servants? No. <laughs> the Assembly and the Senate in Nevada voted yes. Uh, I think combined they voted uh, 38-23 yes. Um, and it didn't matter which party. Uh, so people out there were like, the Dems, the Republicans. It didn't matter. The, plenty of them lined up and voted on the same side for yes. The... Governor uh, Joe Lombardo wanted this, so he voted yes. So now it's up to baseball. All baseball has to do is approve the whole thing, and they'll have to figure out what they're going to do with a relocation fee. But I think baseball has been all in on Vegas from a couple of years back, and the negotiations in Oakland were done in bad faith. I'm not sure whether, why they wasted all the time, but, yeah, they got in with the right people here. They got in with the culinary union. They got in with the laborers' union. Valleys wants it done. MGM wants it done. So it's going to get done. And the A's are going to be here in 2028. And in between, I have no idea where they're playing. I mean, there was a report the other day that they're going to stay in Oakland for another year, which that may be one of the most uh, just chaos-filled seasons of baseball you're ever going to see because I don't I don't know who's going to show up and when they do show up. I mean, how, how much hate is there going to be in that stadium for John Fisher as they stick around for another year when, you know, they're ready to get out of town? Didn't they do that with the Raiders? It was a shorter period of time, uh, and I and the difference is the Raiders, the Raiders were trying to win. I mean, John Fisher's had an orchestrated tank to try to make it look like this was a, all created by the fans, and we simply don't have enough support here. Well, when your stadium is, I mean, literally a danger to fans, and you're you're putting a team on the field that's going to win 50 games. I mean, no one's going to go. Don't you know, believe me. At the very end. The Raider farewell was not positive, and people were mad. But uh, the Raiders are also kind of a national and regional team, and they've already been through a move. You know, they already went back and forth with L.A., so I think they were a little better conditioned. Uh, they were hurt. They were hurt badly. But uh, but they've come around pretty quickly to root for Vegas, root for the Raiders, and uh, if they can get here, they get here. All right, last thing, uh, speaking of the Raiders, can we finally look yeah. forward to them taking their rightful place below the Broncos in the cellar of the AFC West for a change? My God, if if the Broncos can't outpace the Raiders this year, <laughs> that's that's not good. That's not good. You know, with the upgraded coach, uh, that's a positive. Hopefully, getting Russell Wilson turned around. Uh, yeah, the Raiders are going into the season with questions about Jimmy G at quarterback. Is he ready to start the year? Can he stay healthy the whole year? Which is unlikely. Uh, remember, Josh Jacobs hasn't signed a deal yet, so. If he and Saquon Barkley decide to do this, you know, bonded boycott for the, on behalf of all running backs, maybe he doesn't play part of the season. I don't know that they really drafted for this year for help. I think they drafted for a couple of years from now, and uh, I think they're they're in the boat, Dan. Where if Jimmy G plays the whole year, could they win eight, nine, you know, match ten games, maybe? Um, but I also think they're fine if Jimmy G plays half a season and they're just not that good, and they win three, four, or five games, and then they're running to to get their franchise quarterback in Caleb Williams. 
no chance Tom Brady comes back for one year because they're just not good enough, right? There would be no point. Zero chance. I don't think it's about a matter of it's you know good enough or not good enough. I think he's moved on mentally. You know, you, you hear him talk about his kids a lot. They you know kind of catching up with the kids. He's made all these investments. He's going to be a part owner of the Raiders. He already is a part owner of the Aces. I think he's moved on to the next days of his existence, and I think mentally kind of filed the whole thing away. So I don't think you're going to see you know Sugar Ray Leonard come back for a a third comeback here. Tom Brady come back for a third comeback is not going to happen. Well, that's a that's a that's a little bit of a different reference. I mean, you know, he's ninety years old. How's Sugar Ray Leonard, man? He can't come back now. He's like seventy. Tom Brady oh, played last year. I meant Sugar Ray. I meant Sugar Ray just kept coming back over and over and over again, and and then finally, you know, you just get forced out of the game. I think at least Brady gets to go out on his own terms. Okay, that's good. How's Adam Hill doing? Is he all right? Did he survive last night? I my guess is, you know, it's funny. I was texting him earlier. He's my co-host, and my guess is that he is going to sleep for about nineteen hours because. He's been covering all the stuff, and then I think the newspaper has some, like, 50-page book coming out, and my guess is with the way he works, he probably wrote 45 of the pages. So Yes. All right, Steve Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas. Thank you so much, sir. We appreciate it. See you, Dan. All right, talk to you later. That's Steve Cofield. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, check out all of his podcasts and stuff. All right, you want to react? To anything you've heard so far on the program, the RamosLaw.com text line, 303-713-1043. Judge, jury, executioner. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Thanks to Steve Cofield for joining us. For joining us. For joining us. Appreciate him. He's fun. He's fun. He was pretty nice to us. He did. He took. He what? He took the one shot at Broncos fans. But no, he gave us. Uh, he, he likes us as a sports town. Uh, we worked together. He, Lodo, Chad, and I worked at the Sports Fan Radio Network in Las Vegas. God, man, 20, 23 years ago, we made the Sports Fan Radio Network what it is today. Out of business. But, yeah, we had a lot of a lot of fun times. I was right out of college. Actually, Mark Mosher helped me get that job there. Appreciate Mosher on that. Um, that's where I met Loto Chad, met uh, him there. Uh, Brandon Tierney was on WFAN in New York now was there. Let's see. the uh, Remember the fabulous sports babe? She was there. JT the Brick was one of our hosts there. Uh, James Brown, Bob Costas. We had a bunch, just a bunch of people. Um, there at the time. Uh, it was a good time for me, my first full-time job in radio. So appreciate those relationships and uh, appreciate uh, Steve Cofield for uh, coming on the show. That was a wild night for them out there in Sin City, Las Vegas. Always uh, enjoy pushing uh, the time to catching up with them. So there's a lot of you on the RamosLaw.com text line. I wanted to chime in about uh, both our interviews with Zach Bai, with Andrew Mason, also with uh, Steve Cofield. So why don't we do this? Let's get caught up. I'm going to tell you about Deer, Deer Trail Miko coming up here in just a few seconds. We'll get caught up with our clock, and then um, we'll get out to everybody here on the RamosLaw.com text line. Anything you want to get in for Father's Day, we'll address those thoughts as well. One more hour to go on this special Father's Day edition of the Dan Jacobs Show. What a parade. 
What a season. What a team. Thanks to everyone in Nuggets Nation who stopped by to show us love at the parade. Let's do it again next year. DenverSports.com. Awarded Denver's best website by the Colorado Broadcasters Association. And home of Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. DeerTrailMeatCo.com. That's DeerTrailMeatCo.com. I'm pretty excited. I'm actually going to go check them out tomorrow. I always just like to pop in, I don't know, once a year or so and just kind of check out the operation. You know, keep them aligned. Make sure they got everything running smoothly because, you know, I'm an expert on everything. You know that. Just kidding. But, yeah, I'm going to stop by. I'm going to pick up my load of, you know, both pork. Don't sleep on their pork. They get pork special from Kansas four times a year. It is fan. Fantastic. So I'm going to pick up my pork and my load of beef, uh, and it's going to be fantastic. You know what I did last night? I did uh, a stir-fry. I took some steaks I had been marinating. I cut them into strips, mixed them together with the stir-fry vegetables. It was fantastic. Now, I'm going to go visit them just to say hi because they're buddies, but you don't have to do that. What they do is once you put in your order with DeerTrailMeatCo.com, they put it together for you. They deliver it to your front door at a tremendous savings, about five eighty-five a pound, and they give you a money-back guarantee. What else can you ask for? You know you've always wanted to try fresh beef, um, so this is your opportunity. Anywhere from an eighth of a cow all the way up to a full cow. Check them out, DeerTrailMeatCo.com. That's DeerTrailMeatCo.com.